Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. I am truly excited today um, to welcome the founder, founding partner of Gerhardt Law, Richard Gerhardt commands a breadth of experience that comes from nearly 30 years of practice in intellectual property law. He has built a firm with an international presence that helps entrepreneurs from around the world with their patents, trademarks, and copyright needs, um, and shares his expertise on his radio show and podcast, Passage to Profit, which I can tell you is a delight to listen to. I am so excited. He works with his wife, Elizabeth, and I love their questions. I love their guests. Welcome, Richard, to the podcast. Well, thank you, Anne. I really appreciate the wonderful introduction, and it's so fantastic to be here with you on your podcast. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to having some great discussions. So um so you take it away. Okay. So one of the things that I didn't speak to you before now, um, but I fascinates me, is you originally started in the area of chemistry. How has that led your expertise in law? And how did you get into um, the type of law that you work with, which is patents, trademarks, and intellectual property? you have an advantage of having a mindset that comes from chemistry. How, how does that lead, connect? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's a, a great question. People don't often ask me that question. Um, I studied chemistry um, in undergrad because I liked chemistry. And at one point I thought about going to medical school, but I was not one, I got, kind of schemish whenever I was exposed to blood. And so I decided not to go that route. Um, and I, I, I like chemistry because um, it's something that is very visual. And so I'm a very visual person. Uh, I'm good at sort of seeing things in my head. And so I could always like just see the molecules kind of mixing around in the formulas. And, and that was just something that, um, uh, I was I, I, I was able to do and I enjoyed doing was was being a chemist, but uh, I didn't want to be a bench chemist, which is somebody who sits in a lab. Uh, and eventually I decided that I wanted to go to law school. And if you had a technical degree like chemistry or physics or um, software, 
Um, and you could go to law school. I thought that would be an advantage because there's a lot of people who go to law school, but they they tend to be history majors or poli sci. And I thought, well, if I could marry the two, uh, you know, interests, then uh, I could I could uh, you know I, I I could have a unique career. And so the options, uh, if you wanted to use your technical degree, back in you know, 1986, when I started law school, um, were to either go into environmental law or intellectual property law. And environmental law really didn't involve as much of the technology as I liked. So I got involved in intellectual property law, and I could actually use my chemistry and also be a lawyer at the same time. So to me, it, it turned out to be a perfect fit. Yeah, that's so important. Um, having had some experience in trying to get a patent, um, the attorney that you use can write the patent in many different ways uh, to your advantage. And having that type of background is of great benefit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um a lot of our clients have, you know, chemical inventions. Um, I eventually ended up working in the pharma industry for a big pharmaceutical company, where the drugs that we were trying to protect were 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 chemicals. They were it was basic chemistry. So, years after I'd done my undergraduate work in chemistry, I was still using that same chemistry on a daily basis. Uh, to help in those efforts. Um, but intellectual property lawyers often work in a lot of different technologies. So I became familiar with software uh, and I became familiar with mechanical inventions. And so chemistry now is a part of our practice, but it's not the only part. And um, it's interesting when you're an intellectual property lawyer, when you're a patent lawyer, the inventors really teach you the invention. It's really impossible for, I think, uh, an individual to really understand all the potential technologies in the world. So when somebody comes to you and they want to protect it with a patent, then you have to be able to learn from the inventor and the inventor teaches you. So even though I may know something about chemistry, I don't know everything about chemistry, right? And, and so... It's really a very collaborative process when you're uh, working with a client who's trying to get a patent. So, sure, but it's wonderful when you're when you have an idea and you're speaking to to an attorney. It's wonderful to be speaking to someone who can understand where you're coming from, and that in business is key. Right. Um, I've had so many experiences where I've tried to explain um, ideas or or strategies that I have, and I'm not being understood, which is very frustrating. So I love the fact that you have that background. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about trademarks versus copyrights and how they play into patents. So sure, and there's there's really four types of intellectual property. So, um, and you mentioned three, and the fourth is the poor stepchild that gets frequently gets for, forgotten. But you have 
patents, which protect technologies and inventions. So uh, mechanisms, gizmos, and uh, anything that is created by a person that is technical in nature uh, could be protected by a patent. So you can protect a process, you can protect the design of something, you can protect um, you can protect the chemical, you can protect uh, software, uh, you can protect a new mousetrap, a new, a, a, a new widget. You can protect plants. They have plant patents. So there are particular types of plants that you want to protect. You can do that. And so patents are for protecting technology and inventions. The other category of, of intellectual property is trademarks or our trademarks. And so trademarks um, it, are protect logos and brand names. So they're really meant to protect the source of the good. So if I go to the store and I buy a bottle of Coca-Cola, uh, which is arguably the world's most famous trademark, uh, they go, you know that it's been produced and made by the Coca-Cola bottling company and not somebody in, uh, you know, not a faker, not an imposter, right? So it guarantees that when you see that that name or that logo, that you know who you're buying from. And that means you can expect a certain type of quality or flavor or, or whatever. So trademarks protect brands. You can protect, um, obviously you protect words, you can protect logos, right? You can protect smells. There are, are perfumes that are protected by trademarks. You can protect colors. You can protect the color of something with the trademark if it's famous enough. So one of the more famous cases was the uh, Owens Corning fiberglass case where they protected the color of the house insulation. So they protected that pink color. So anytime you drive by a house that's under construction and you see that pink uh, insulation going up on the walls, you know that it came from Owens Corning, which I thought was a really, you know, clever idea. And you can also protect sounds. So if you remember, like the NBC uh, chime, dum, 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 well, that's protected by a trademark. Now, that could also be protected by a copyright, but trademark law allows you to protect it uh, with, with a trademark, too. So there's, it's interesting, there's a lot of different things that you can do with, uh, you know, uh, trademarks. But most of the time, most of people think of trademarks as just protecting, you know, either the name of a company or its, its logo. Sure. What's the difference then between trademarks and registered? Well, there are different kinds of trademarks. The ones that are so first of all, you get trademark rights just by using the word in commerce, right? So you once you start using a name, you get trademark rights and you don't have to do anything. Now, sometimes people will put a little TM next to the word and you can do that. It gives you a little extra protection. It puts people on notice that you consider this word to be proprietary. And you can get trademark protection just by using the word uh, in, in commerce. 
You could also, if you want to take it a step further, you can get a registration, which is you can get a federal registration or a state registration, right? And if you sometimes see marks with the little R and circle, that means that they've got a federally registered uh, trademark. And so there's certainly advantages to registering uh, federal trademarks. Um, but I think one of the bigger advantages is, is that normally before you go to apply for a trademark, you will do a search and you will see, do, does anybody else have that same trademark for my particular goods? So you want to make sure before you launch your, your, your venture that somebody else doesn't already have a trademark on your name because you can put a lot of time and effort and money into getting your business started only to find out later that somebody in California just noticed you and they had a federal trademark since 1985 and they're mad and they send you a letter and they say, hey, you know, you're, you're using our name. And then you have lots of legal bills. So, um, and so it's, it's always better before you launch a, a business to check and make sure that you get, you know, that the, the, the word is available so you don't have that problem down the road. So. Um, along with that, I know I've applied for a whole bunch of different URLs. Um, and when you get a URL, you check to see if anybody else is using it. Um, so for instance, a .com, a name with a .com, you check to see if anybody else is using it. But I never really thought about any other type of protection because I thought, well, if I use the .com, I'm using it um, and no one else can get that .com. But how do you, what would you suggest to people? Because a lot of people are entrepreneurs these days and they decide they're just going to open up shop and do business. Right. They get a, a .com name or uh, a .shop name, and they think that that's all the protection they need. What, what, what would your advice be for that? Well, there, there, it's getting a .com as uh, getting a URL is a good first step, right? Um, but it's not the whole story, and it doesn't mean that you're safe from you know getting attacked by somebody who owns. Uh, a trademark. So, for example, uh, we're doing this interview on, on on Zoom, right? And you may open a business called Zoom Pictures, right? Um, you may be able to get that URL, right? But that doesn't mean that the company Zoom is not going to, if they notice it, doesn't mean that they're not going to come after you with their trademark, so just because you get the um, just because you get the URL doesn't mean that there there aren't other companies that could could potentially be a problem. Now you may get the URL Zoom Z O O M, but there could be another company out there that spells Zoom Z U M. Now your zoom.com trademark may be available, but if they have the trademark to Z-U-M in the worlds of the trademarks, 
that could still be considered infringing because it's not, even though it's not the exact same letters, it sounds the same, right? And so, so there's more to it than just getting the URL. Now, if you can get the URL, I would say probably a good percentage of the time, you'll probably be safe, but it's better to do a trademark search and be and be sure. I, you know, I, and I, if I didn't think a search was necessary, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it is. But I think if you're just you're relying on the URL, you're taking a risk, right? And so, and given the fact that trademark searches aren't hugely expensive, I mean, our firm does them for like six hundred and fifty dollars. You know, if you compare that cost, I mean, to having to go and rebrand or hire a lawyer to, you know, uh, do a cease and, you know, answer a cease and desist letter from somebody else. I mean, that's really, I, I, it's a really fairly, it's, it's a lot of value for, for what you're, you're spending the money on. Even if you decide later, even if you decide you don't want to file a trademark because you don't want to put the money into that just yet, at least when you start, you should know that you're clear to use the mark. So sure. Um, one of the things that I've I've heard uh, from other people is, well, I have this idea. I'll just file the paperwork myself and and file for a patent or whatever. I'll just do it myself because it costs so much less. And but a business is a business. Right. And the thing is, if you cannot protect your business then down the road, you may run into a lot of different problems. Tell us more about what you provide to people in situations where they've decided to start a business, they decide they want to get a patent or they want to register a name. Sure. I mean, I mean, usually we'll have a, you know, the first thing is when, when a client contacts me, uh, the first thing I just try to do is, is listen. And I ask, so, What's up? What is it that you want to accomplish? Um, what are your short-term, near-term goals? Um, I try to get a sense of what their budget is like. Uh, sometimes people don't like to talk about that because they think, well, if they they quote a figure, then it's our prices are somehow going to change. But um, you know, hopefully. You get to a point of trust where somebody can say, look at, I've got $2,000 to spend. What's, what's the, what's the best investment for my money? And I'll, and I'll go, we'll go through all of the different things that they can do and what, what you can cut corners on and what you have to be careful about. And we'll try to tailor our services and kind of, kind of give you maximum impact for what it is that you're uh, investing. But you know, like lots of times it's not so necessary to file a trademark registration right away because you do get rights uh, as soon as you start using it. You want to make sure that somebody else um, doesn't have it. But once you start using it, then it's it's yours uh, to a large extent. I mean, it's still better to get a registration. But if you're trying to say, should I put the money into marketing or trademark? Sometimes they'll say, well, it's probably better to put it into marketing, quite honestly. Uh, same thing with patents. You, it depends on what your budget and what your business strategy is. So 
Um, sometimes you can start off the first year with a very bare bones kind of patent and just get something that's on file that gives you a patent pending number. You can file a provisional. Uh, eventually, that application is going to have to uh, become a real application, which is usually a fairly substantial investment. Um, and then after that, um, so at our firm, for like a utility application between five and $7,000, depending on what the, the technology is. And then um, you have to get it through the patent office. You have to pay government fees, you may have to pay for drawings. But at least for the first year, you can have something that's kind of on file, gives you some protection, gives you a chance to get some money in or see if it's an idea you really want to pursue in the long run, if it has any legs. Um, and so, again, you can kind of manage your budget, you know, that that way. But typically we'll have a, a, a nice long discussion about your business, what it is that you're trying to achieve. And then we're going to use all the tools that we have to try to kind of get you the best in the best overall position for, you know, what you want to, what you want to spend. And there, there are things that you, you kind of have to do at some points, but you know, the, like if you have a product and you want to protect it with a patent, you're eventually going to have to pay for the whole patent. Right. Um, and you really, you can't cut too many corners on that. Um, you know, I, I, I use the analogy of, if you're if you're buying a house from somebody, right? Um, maybe the person who built it is really handy, but maybe they're not a contractor. So, are you, you know, are you going to buy a house from somebody who wh whoever built it was not a licensed contractor who hasn't built fifty houses before? Or, you know, maybe if it's a little shed out in the country, you'll, you'll do that. But you're not going to make a big investment in a house unless it's built like a house, like a legitimate house. And it's the same thing with like a patent application. As somebody who's had a, a lot of experience and has seen a lot of different things and do it right and make sure that you get the best possible result. And that if your business is successful, it's going to hold up, you know, but some, somebody's going to want to license the patent. You have to have a good patent if somebody's going to license it because they're going to have their attorney look at it. All right, you're going to license this to, um, to, to Macy's or something, right? They're, Macy's is going to have their patent attorney look at it and say, oh, this is an okay patent. Or they're going to say, oh, this is, looks like it was done by an amateur, and I, I don't think that, that if it goes to court, it's going to hold up. So, and then Macy's may come back and say, we don't want a license or we'll, we'll pay you half of what, you know, we had promised just because we're taking a big risk on the patent, right? So it's all, a, you know, you have to kind of balance the short-term game with the long-term game, right? And, and so... If you go to like LegalZoom or some of these other companies, you can kind of get like, you can save a lot of money, but the question is, are you going to get something of, of, of value out of it? And you might, you might not. I mean, I don't know anything about LegalZoom, honestly, but um, 
you know. Well, it, when it, I it, sure excuse me, um, when I was looking to get a patent, I wanted to make sure that it could be defended because if I'm going to invest all this money. I want to know that I've got somebody out there who can defend my patent because otherwise I've invested all this money and now I stand to lose it all. Right. And you, you, you built your business around the assumption that the product is protected. And then if it's not protected and anybody can come in and do what you're doing, then, you know, they, they can capitalize on your awareness or your marketing or whatever then that puts them at a big advantage over you because you had to take all the time and effort to develop the business. Somebody else can just look at it and say, oh, that's a good idea and run with it. And then I think you're, you're, you're at a real, uh, you know, that, that was, that really stinks. And most people get really upset when that happens. So, and rightfully so. So. Of course I, so that, and that was my thinking. So yeah. I invested the money up front to know that at least I had someone to go to, to protect me. Yeah. Um, on that same note, um, if somebody has an idea and comes to you, uh, can you steer them to people who can help them actually create the product and move forward? Well, usually, um, I mean, in, if it's a consumer product, absolutely. If it if it's a software product, absolutely. If it's a mechanical product, yes. Um, we have, I mean, our our firm specializes in working with entrepreneurs. So when we started, my my goal was really to help businesses start and get off, you know, get on their feet. That's what I wanted to do. I felt like, uh, you know, I had a lot of years working for big companies and it's great training, um, but I really wanted to help the little guy. And I wanted to help lots of little people and I'm little guys, not little, you know, you know what I mean, the beginners or the, the people that uh, were had new things and um, and who wanted to escape from their, you know, wanted to be their own boss. You know, that, that's, those are the people that I wanted to help. And so it was pretty natural once you, you start thinking about, well, how can I help? You said, well, they're going to need this. They're going to need accounting help. They're going to need marketing help. They're going to need production help. They're going to need all of these things. And I always thought, well, it would improve my business if I had a lot of a lot of referrals. And so we have a big, long uh, uh, list of preferred vendors, suppliers for just about anything that you can imagine. And if we don't, if it's not on the list, then we'll circulate a note among the, the team. And lots of times somebody knows somebody who's like in this area or at least know somebody who might know somebody. And, um, and so I think that's a, an important piece of what we do is we help support people. And sometimes people just, they want to do it themselves. You know, they want, that's my business. 
I want to do it myself. And um, I want to pick and choose the people and that's fine too. You know, but if, 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 if people want support, we have it for them. And well, one of the things that I love about your um, podcast is you interview all these people who have created products and they have all this experience and they've lived through it. And it's wonderful to hear you interview them and connect with them to introduce their products to your audience. Uh, I found that just fascinating. I will thank you for that. Um, we love doing the show and we're open to, you know, just about anybody who, um, who, who wants to come on and, and talk about their journey. Um, the show is really geared toward people who either are starting out or they're thinking about entrepreneurism and you get an opportunity to hear about all the different journeys and all the different uh, paths that entrepreneurs have, have taken, different industries, and you get to hear we usually have three guests. And so you use, you get to hear kind of almost from three different perspectives sometimes, which I think is um, especially educational because you kind of have different, different, different journeys that, that kind of all come at you at the same time. And it helps, I think it kind of, I think it's, it's a better learning experience that way. And it's also, we try to make it entertaining um, and most of my jokes get edited from our producer. They get cut out because <laughs> they usually fall pretty flat. But every once in a while, I'll get one in there and he'll let it slide through. And uh, but we like to laugh a lot. And um, and so it's sort of infotainment or edutainment, I guess, is what people call it now. Education, but in a uh, lighthearted we don't take ourselves too seriously sort of approach. Right. And that's, um, and it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's, it's our hobby. You know, um, I don't think we've profited too much from strange as passage to profit. I don't know that it's profitable, but, um, we enjoy doing it and, um, and we're, and I, so, Every once in a while, we'll talk about, well, do we want to keep doing this? The answer is always yes. You know, so I'll say, oh, well, it's costing us money to do this. And Elizabeth <laughs> looks at me and she says, you, you're not going to give that up. No way. You know? <laughs> well, it, it's wonderful. So I encourage everyone listening today to definitely check it out. And your information will be in the show notes. But tell us where people can find you. So if you want to listen to a live broadcast, you're in the New York area, you can hear it on WOR uh, 710. It's the oldest talk radio show in the country in New York. It's on at 11 p.m. Um, so if, if, you're, if you're suffering from insomnia, I guarantee that we can, uh, well, I don't know, you may get so excited you don't want to go to sleep, but you could also, who knows, you might, you might, it might help you doze off. Um, and then we're also syndicated in 30 other markets. Um, and so you could go to our website, passagetoprofitshow.com, and you can hear the uh, program. Uh, you, if you happen to be in one of those markets, we're in Chicago, Washington, Portland, 
uh, Amarillo. Um, uh, those are those are the bigger markets that we've got now. We've also got some some markets like in Arkansas or something. You probably haven't heard of them. Um, but if you're in Arkansas, please you know check us out. And then, um, but we also have podcasts. It's the Passage Passage to Profit Show, and it's on all the podcast platforms. And so the podcast comes out the day after the show airs, and you know you can. Yeah, our podcast downloads have been doing great, so uh, we're we're happy about that, and um, we're glad that we can reach so many people. So um, we have about one hundred and twenty thousand listeners per week. Wow! So, so yeah, so that's still haven't made any money from it, but it it sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> but, but that's so great, and you're introducing all of these entrepreneurs to such a large audience. Yeah. And that's so exciting because we live in a world where anything is possible and the craziest ideas can end up being very profitable for someone. Well, so just to give you an example, we had a couple on a couple of weeks ago who wrote a software program that is sort of a simulation of being an entrepreneur and they've they've gamified it which means they like they've taken these fantasy cartoon characters and they've incorporated them into the simulation so you can actually like get the software and you can learn about entrepreneurship but at the same time it's like you're in a a, a fantasy game and it was just amazing, um, you know, what what kinds of new things um, people have come up with. There's tremendous amount of activity right now in, uh, you know, different types of foods, synthetic proteins. Um, a, a lot of companies now are not, you know, they're they're staying away from they're just all sorts of food technology. You have seafood that's grown that things that taste like seafood that are grown from plants. I mean, it's just uh, amazing, amazing steps are, are, are taking place with some of these companies. So um, it's really exciting to watch them and, uh, yeah. and hear about them. Yeah. Um, one episode you were talking about bacon that has never seen an actual animal because it's made from plants. Right. And that excites me. That truly <laughs> excites me. So, and the game you were talking about, as soon as I heard that, I had to download it to my phone. I've got to figure, I have to actually look at it, but I definitely downloaded it. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then, and, and all, almost all of the entrepreneurs too will share their journey. You know, what were the, what were the challenges that they faced and, but you, you find out it's a journey for everybody. You know, you have your ups and downs. Um, you know, you have your successes and you have your learning experiences. Um, but it's it's possible to do if you want to do it, right? And, yeah. and uh, we all learn from our failures. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that, of course, Entrepreneurship is definitely a challenge. I know it well. Uh, one evening, my husband asked me why I was so stressed. I said, because as an entrepreneur, it's like going to 
um, a slot machine and you keep throwing the money in and hoping you'll get it back. Right. Um, But by the same token, it's also very exciting and it's, it can be very rewarding and I wouldn't trade my entrepreneurship for anything. I'm with you on that. And I am, I could never go back to working for somebody else. I'm happy to work with anybody and and to serve my clients, but uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the freedom that I have and um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. You're out there kind of facing the world. You don't have any real protection. You know, you got to kind of, you got to live by your wits and you've got to uh, be a good judge of character. Um, I, I learned to be a good judge of character by misjudging character. So many times I had no choice <laughs> but to learn. Um, but it's, 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 it's been a great journey. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I really wouldn't. So, um, well, it's very exciting. And I encourage all of the listen, all of our listeners to definitely check out Gearheart Law and go to your website, see what you do. And um, there is a possibility that they can connect with you so that they can ask questions and sure. see what type of direction they want to go in. Uh, absolutely. Our, our website URL is www.gearheartlaw.com. And, you know, we give free consultations. Uh, but if you if you mention Anne's podcast, we'll give you a little extra special discount. So, um, you know, uh, so, you know, please feel free and, and no question is too silly. Um, you know, this is uh, complicated stuff. And unless you're in it every day, you can't really know it very well. So um, everybody comes, you know, uh, everybody comes, you know, with with kind of a clean slate when it comes to intellectual property. So, well, I can't thank you again for being on the podcast. And as I said, I look forward to listening to more episodes and um, seeing what other products are out there that can get me super excited about everything. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.